You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so let me say this. Uh, and, you know, I said I'm going to throw a lot at you. And something that I kind of thought after I preached the first service, you know, I preached this message first service, and afterwards I got to thinking... You know, I don't know that I'm going to tell, tell you anything you haven't ever heard before. But sometimes we need to be reminded, and then sometimes we need to be challenged with it, even though you're saying, well, I kind of knew that, but we need to be challenged with it. So would you listen in that way, and would you hear what God wants to say to all of us, okay? All right, so, so where, are we, where are we going to begin with this? Well, let's begin at the beginning. Go ahead for that first slide, if you will, Sabrina. And, uh, it says, and here, here's the first thing is, stop. if you want the best life ever, stop trying to make it without God's help okay it begins with God I know I know most of you sitting here today are, are Christians you've chosen Jesus to be your Savior you've accepted his forgiveness and and so you're you're living the Christian life what so I, I, I know that okay I know that and and so you've already begun there a little bit but don't we all at times feel like there's got to be something maybe a little bit more don't you don't you feel like maybe you know okay I'm living for God I know I know I know eternity it's, it's settled and everything but man I got some problems right here you know I could I could I could have some things be a little better in my life right here you know everything's not well that, that's that's where I'm at right here first of all let's begin with our attitude toward God okay and I don't mean that we've got a bad attitude toward God but but we need to make that attitude toward God really full okay here's one of our scriptures first chronicles 29 11 yours O Lord is the greatness the power the glory the victory and the majesty okay so all that belongs to God right and then he goes on everything in the heavens and on earth is yours O Lord everything in the heavens and on earth and, and so basically what that's saying is everything in the universe so everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is, this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. That God owns everything. He is over all things. Everything belongs to him. You know, there's this little attitude that some of us have that we don't have to have God's help to make it. You know, and I think even Christians, a lot of times, the way we approach things, is, it's like, man, I'm going to go to church, and, and, and I'm going to have a prayer team member pray with me, you know, and I'm going to get that strength and that encouragement and all that that I need. And Then it's like we struggle the next six and a half days till we get back here. It's like, yeah, God meets my needs here, and God hears my prayers here, but that's not the way God designed this. He doesn't want you to only have, you know, joy and victory and peace right now for a few hours. He wants you to have it those other 163 hours that we'll have before church starts again next Sunday morning. He wants us to have that. But what we also do, I think, I think some of us lean on this, that, well, we're making it okay by ourselves. Maybe we get that, that macho attitude. You know, but can I tell you this? Is there are no, there's no such thing as a self-made man. Okay, you, you didn't do this all by yourself. God helped you. Whether you acknowledge him or not, he helped you. Uh, there's, a, there's an old story that kind of kind of relates this a little bit. Um, old story about a man who, who yelled up to the heavens one day at God, and he said, hey, God, I just want you to know we got it all figured out down here. We don't need you anymore. You know, we, we, we know the ways we've been treating others, but, you know, in our more enlightened 
attitudes toward morality and things. We're beginning to work a lot of that out, so just leave us alone, God, because we've been working this out. we got it figured out. We're going to do okay. As a matter of fact, even things like, you know, cancer. Hey, we're, we're probably just a few years, maybe a few months away from healing cancer, and so, you know, just, just a little bit more time, we'll have that. So we don't need you anymore, God. I mean, you know, even, even what you would probably consider your crowning achievement in creating human life, we don't need you anymore. We, we've got figured out, too. We know how to create life without you. We can do all that. And so we don't need you anymore. And God replies, hmm, is that so? Well, why don't you show me how you don't need me anymore? Why don't you just show me how you will do some of this that you're saying you're going to do? And so the guy said, okay, well, uh, what do you want me to do? And Jesus, uh, God says, uh, how about what you call my crowning achievement? How about you produce life? You know, all by yourself, without my help, you produce life. And God says, okay, well, can we go over to the lab because I'll need some? And then God said, no, 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 wait a minute. I want you to do it the way I did it. You know, I don't want you to start with the lab. Start with it. I want you to start from nothing. Start from scratch. Remember, I made Adam out of the dust of the earth. And the guy says, okay, well, you know, it's probably going to take a few extra steps, but I'm sure I can figure it out. So he says, so here goes. And he, he kneels down, and he, he starts gathering up some dust in his hand, some dirt in his hand. And God said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You get your own dirt. You hadn't heard that one before? That's an old one. You get your own dirt. See, the man wasn't starting from scratch like God did. There, there, was a, there was a song years and years and years ago about, you know, how they say that the sun, you know, it, it shined on the scum that was on the top of the, the pond, you know, and everything got just right, and boom, life just exploded into, into being. And then the song says, but where did the, but, but where, did the uh, where did the pond and the sun and the scum come from? You know, it's like you, you, you don't ever start from that place. You've got to have God helping you in some way. He is there. I, I mean, without God, you don't even have your next breath. Okay, he, he's, he set it in motion, and thank God there is oxygen in the room, right? And he set all this in motion, and we, we got plants out there turning our carbon dioxide back into oxygen, all that kind of stuff. But God did that. It's like, and the strength you have, the ability you have, the, the understanding you have, the stuff that you think you figured out, because some of us, are, we're really into do-it-yourself these days, right? And, and all the stuff that we figured out how to do, he gave us the ability to figure all that stuff out, okay? So, so stop, stop saying we're doing it by ourselves, and let's give God the acknowledgement. Go ahead, next slide for me, if you will, Sabrina. Let's acknowledge to God, like we should, acknowledge that God is the owner and the giver of all good things. Now, you may know that, but here's what's important. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it on a regular basis. Make sure he knows that you know that he is the one that blessed you. Now, it's not just enough to say, oh, yeah, I know that. You need to tell him. because You know, the Word of God tells us that God's a jealous God. And so if he's a jealous God, it means he likes to hear us brag on him. So brag on him. Tell him because it might make him want to do something more for you as well. Okay, so you want the best life ever. Acknowledge. You, you've got to aggressively acknowledge that God is the owner of all things and the giver of all good things. Okay, so here's the second thing. All right, go, go to the next slide for me, Sabrina. Embrace your place in the body of Christ. Now, this was a lot of what the first message in this sermon series was, but I got some more stuff I need to tell you right here, okay? Embrace your place in the body of Christ. Now, this is another one of our scriptures, 2 Chronicles 29, 11. My sons, do not neglect your duties any longer! Exclamation point. 
I don't know if that was in the original Hebrew or not, but it's right there, so I wanted to point it out to you, okay? Do not neglect your duties any longer. The Lord has chosen you. He's chosen you. He's cho he has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him, and to lead the people in worship and present offerings to him. Okay, we say around here at 2911 all the time, everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. Everyone. You have something awesome to do. Look right here. Uh, when God is speaking to these people, look at what he's telling you. They had some very specific duties. Now, it doesn't say that they're up here playing instruments or singing, but they're leading people in worship in some way. They had some, some specific duties. And he's speaking to a group of people, and actually in that group, there were specific duties of people in that group. But every one of them had something specific that they could do for Jesus. You have something awesome to do for Jesus, and if you aren't doing it, then that means something is falling through the cracks. Somebody's not being prayed for or encouraged or lifted up or somebody's not receiving the, the appreciation or, or, or the friendship or the connection they need. If you aren't doing what you've been gifted to do, there's this hole that's there that nobody else can fill. Other people can try to do something and cover it, but nobody can feel that because you're the one gifted to do that. Okay, so here, here's four things that we need to do in embracing our place in the body of Christ. And the first one is connect. Now that really is the first message in this series. But let me, I'm going to try not to spend a lot of time here, but let me just say a few things, okay? And one of the best ways to connect, especially at 2911, is small groups. And we just got started with small groups, so now is a great time to just jump in and get connected. Because think about it, who, who, who are you going to call if you don't know anybody, if you're not connected to anybody? We had a situation not too long ago, and I, I had to deal with something. And I, I, I was really nervous about how I was going to deal with it. And I reached out to two couples, two couples that I've known in ministry for a while. Uh, one of these couples I've known for, I think, 32, 33, maybe even longer, that many years. I reached out to them. And another couple that, that I've only known a couple of years, I reached out to them. And uh, so they joined with us in prayer. And, and uh, that situation worked out better than I, I it wasn't the way I would have said it needs to happen this way. But now on this side of it, looking back, I say it is exactly the way that it needed to work out. Just, how, does, how does God do that? He does that through prayer. How, how, did I have, how did I have somebody to pray with me? Because I had connection. You know, if you don't connect, then who are you going to call for prayer? You know, uh, I, I, a lot of times I get uh, requests from you or requests from employers, sometimes even requests from, from uh, people who are renting places uh, for, uh, you know, for uh, they want me to give a reference for you guys. And I know you are asked also by people here in the congregation. You know, and, and you know, if you don't have connection, who are you going to ask for that? So, I mean, you know, really think about it. Who are you going to ask for prayer? Who are you going to ask for that kind of connection when, you know, you need help with a job or getting a job or going somewhere? Who are you going to ask for that? Or let me, let me even talk to you new, new parents. Okay, so we got a lot of new parents, and we're going to have a lot more new parents just over the next few months. we got, we got several, several ladies expecting in our church, you know. So let me, let me just say, so, you know, not, it's not just who are you going to call for prayer, who are you going to call for reference. Who are you going to call for a babysitter? <laughs> you know, I mean, some of y'all would be looking around saying, I need to meet some of these young ladies in our church so that I, you know, you got, I know that sounds like a cute and frivolous one, but just think about all the things we need in life and we need to call somebody. Who are you going to call unless you're connected to them? You've got to find ways to connect to people. Okay, I said I wouldn't spend a lot of time there, but I did, didn't I? Okay, so let's go on to the second one, all right? So connect, step one. Step two, do what we already know. Do what you already know. 
Okay, let, let me go ahead and read this scripture because I know, I know what y'all are doing. Y'all are already reading it, even though I'm not reading it, right? And I want you to see that first, do you see what it says at the end of that scripture, James 117? It, it doesn't say Rick, okay? My name's not there. I didn't write this. This is not me, okay? James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this, okay? And he says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And you see, we, we all know, we, we think sin is when you do something that is bad. But James says it's also not doing good. That if we know to do good and don't do it, then that's sin. That's sin. Now, I think you already knew that, but maybe we need to be reminded of that. So what do we know to do good? You know, there are too many people, and I get this all the time as a minister. In all of my pastoral years, I've been asked over and over and over and over and over and over and over, pray with me, pastor, that God will show me what I'm supposed to do for him. But there are too many of us sitting around waiting on the epiphany when God's will is already obvious. You know, like David likes to quote the guy, I think the guy that started Sunday schools, that somebody asked him, what made you desire to do this? What, what gave you the call to, to make this happen? And he was seeing these little kids, you know, not being raised and not being taught about the love of Christ and not even being taught not just Christian education but other education. And he said, the need was the call. Think about that. The people sitting right around you right now, in front of you, beside you, and behind you, the, the needs that they have, that's the call to us. And we're sitting around waiting on God to give us this big, big, awesome call. And, and you know what? Maybe, maybe God's not going to give us this big, awesome call until we do the little stuff that we're also supposed to do. I mean, look at the life of Christ. How many really big things did he do and how many little things did he do? I mean, I think that was one of the problems that the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious folks, they had with him is they were expecting this one big thing out of him. They wanted him to, you know, run Rome out of, out of Palestine. And, and, and it, Jesus was, he was touching this sick person and touching this sick person. I mean, I, I, I don't see a single story where he said, okay, all you sick people out here, y'all all be healed. I, I don't see him doing that. I see him individually touching the people that are around him, taking little kids up into his lap. He said, don't, don't keep these guys from coming to me because this is what the kingdom of heaven's all about. Not that big stuff that we're looking for, but all this little stuff that he's calling. Because Calling us to, why in the world would Christ call us to do big stuff if we're not doing the little stuff? Or why would he give us a, a, another calling until we do what he's put inside of our lap? We already know a lot of those things that we need to be doing, right? We already know a lot of those things. Okay, so, so n number three, um, make decisions like a Jesus follower. Now, when, when, when some, some of us hear this and we think, okay, he's saying that if you have five more free minutes this afternoon, you better get your Bible out. That's what a lot of people hear when they say, you need to start making decisions like a Jesus follower. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Because we even see there, there's an example in, in the Scripture of where Jesus took his disciples off into a, to, a, to a quiet place to get some rest because they were tired from all the ministry they were doing. He said, come on, guys, I'm tired. You guys are tired. We got to go get some rest before, you know, you know what happens? I don't know what happens to you, but I know what happens to me when I don't get enough rest. You know, it's a little situation go just a little wrong. But I don't go just a little wrong with it because I'm tired. Maybe Jesus said, I got to get these disciples out of here, giving them some rest before they just go, go all postal on somebody. And he does that. They go get some rest. Yeah, I believe that if, if they'd have had Netflix, I believe they'd have watched Netflix on some of those days, okay? 
might have chosen to watch some different things than you and I maybe maybe been a little more discreet in some of their <clears throat> right that's a little bit of what I'm talking about here not talking about not taking a break you got always I'm talking about just thinking when, when we make decisions so, so so let me challenge you this way think about what your biggest decision was the last big decision you made in life can you think about it what was the last big decision you made I'd really like for you to think about three of them real quick or two, three, four, something like that. Think about several of your big decisions. But I don't, have, I don't have five minutes to stop here and let everybody think about those big decisions in their life. But just kind of think about some of the big decisions you've made recently. What are your last big decisions that you made? And then I'll ask you this question. How well do they line up to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 33? Okay, um, now, now listen. See, here's one of those places I don't have time to read this scripture. But I really don't want to read the scripture to you. Because I don't want to tell you how to line this out. I don't want to tell you how to line that question, how, how, how well your, your decisions line up with I don't want to tell you how to lay that out. I can't do that for you. I want you I'm, here's some homework for you. Go read that scripture this afternoon. Read it and say, my last three big, and, and don't answer this for me. Answer it for yourself. How well are my decisions lining up with what Christ said is important right here? And answer that question for yourself. Because why, Pat? Why do I have to do that? You don't have to unless you want best life ever. If you want your best life ever, then you've got, you, you've got to start focusing on different things. You've got to embrace the place where you fit into the kingdom of God. And fitting into the kingdom of God in the body of Christ is going to be about being a Jesus follower and making decisions as a Jesus follower, okay? So do that. This, and, and listen, if you, go to the, if you go to the sermon notes, it's right there. You, click on, you don't have to go find your Bible, dust it off, or all that kind of stuff. You can just go right there to the link. It's right there on the sermon notes page, okay? All right, here's number four. Attempt, endeavor, whatever, the best you can, to believe the best about people, okay? Uh, now, I, I was going to say to believe the best about other Christians. I actually had that in my notes, and I thought, that's going to sound like I'm saying don't believe the best about everybody else, and that's, that's not what I intend here, so that's why I scratched that off to go up here on the slide when I sent it to them. But we're talking about embracing our place in the body, so I'm really focused on that right here, right now. You want your best life ever? Then start believing the best about your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Stop thinking that they're they meant to say that last thing that they said about you. Anybody here besides me ever been offended, and you don't have to raise your hand, it's a little rhetorical just for you to think about, that you've ever gotten offended by something somebody said, and then you went and you talked to them about it, and you said, you know, when you, you, you said this, it offended me, and they said, I said that? When did I say it? They don't even remember saying it because that was not their intent. I've had that, I, I've not just had that happen to me when I was the offended one. I've had that happen to me when other people were offended to come to me. Pastor, when you said this in, in the sermon, you offended me. And I'm like, I said that. You know, I said, man, i got to look at where, where did I say that? You know, and, and, and so I said, tell me where I said that, you know, so I can straighten this out. And, and, you know, come to find out, I didn't say it that way, but that's the way they took it. Or I didn't say those words, but that's what they remember about those words. And, and, and you know, and, and those kinds of things, I mean, I've been there. I've been there. I've been offended. I've been hurt. And I'd get ticked off at what somebody did or said to me. You, you know what I'm talking about? But let me tell you what ticks me off even more. It's when I'm hurt and when I'm mad and when I'm angry about something they've done or said. And then I find out they're down at the mall with their family having a good time. And they're not even worried about what I'm sitting at home all, all swole up about. Y'all know what swole up means. 
And they don't even know. I'm the one swole up and all upset about things, and they're out have how dare they? Boy, that ticked me off until I realized, wait a minute, they don't even know that I've been at scriptures at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7 says, believe the best. Start believing the best. You will never, you, you will never have your best life ever as long as you are worried about what everybody is thinking. You're, you're, you're just so bothered about what everybody's saying. Every, nobody can say anything around you without you getting all bothered and upset. Let me throw this in. I I'm going to give you all a little extra that the first service didn't get, okay? Because sometimes we do this also not just in the church, but do this with people out there. Like social media posts about the worst waitress we ever had in our life. You know, you know what's something I've noticed? We moved into a neighborhood one time. And, uh, and incidentally, I found out the other day through a commercial that we were above average, our family. Because uh, in one of, those, uh, one of those commercials, I think it was an insurance commercial, said the average family moves 11 times or has 11 different. Let me tell you, we are above average, okay? If 11 is the average, we are above average, all right? So we've been in some different neighborhoods. We moved into a neighborhood one time, and I noticed nobody waved at nobody. You know, and so you know what I did, don't you? Well, I'm the agitator. You know, I'm going to wave at everybody. <laughs> you know, so we're driving down the road. I'm waving at people. And people are like, who is that? <laughs> You're waving at me, you know, kind of thing. And you know what happened? Can you put, do you know what happened over time? Do you know what happened? By the time we moved out of that neighborhood, people were waving back, you know. And sometimes I'd be all caught up in something, and I wouldn't wave, and somebody would be waving at me. And I'd say, you know, I'd just throw myself, I did that. You know, and I'd, I'd even brag on myself a little bit, you know. I, I did that. But you know what, I think sometimes, you know, if you think about that with, I, I was in a restaurant not too long ago, one that has gotten a lot of bad PR in, in, on social media recently about the service that is there. And you know what, I've been in there and I thought, yeah, you're right. But you know what, I started, I started connecting with the group. And guess what, the last time I was in there, you wouldn't believe just the difference. It's because, I'm, and, and here's what you've got to remember, is I'm a customer. And you know what? They look at me like they look at that last person that walked in the door and said, you know, you blew my order, and you did this, and you did that, and all that, and, and get them in trouble. with. It. And that's what they look at. Okay, here's another one of those customers, but I've showed them I'm not a customer. I'm not one of those customers. I'm not that normal. We have the opportunity to not just point fingers, but to do something about that to change our attitudes and say, wait a minute, maybe they just had the worst day. Maybe their husband left them last night. Maybe their kid has gone lost somewhere. They don't know where they are. As Christians, we're supposed to be believing the best because Christ believed the best about us. And we're supposed to believe the best. Oh, man. Okay, so you got an extra one there. The first service didn't. All right, here's, here, here's uh, let me give, if, you want to, if you want best life ever, you've got to remember, you live for a purpose that is bigger than you. When you're a member of the body of Christ, that's a bigger thing than you. That's bigger than me. It's bigger than my petty little feelings, and it's better than, than all the things that I wish would happen and, and my plans and all that. I'm living for, man, I'm living for something big, huge, wonderful, awesome, and amazing. I'm living for a purpose bigger than me. Okay, here's, here's number three. And number three and number four are quick, okay? Number two is the long one. Here, these, are, these are the quicker ones, all right? Know the source of true peace and strength. If you want your best life ever, you need to know the source of true peace and strength. Don't lean on the things you shouldn't be leaning on another one of our scriptures psalm 29 11, the lord gives his people strength the lord blesses them with peace where's the source right there it is the lord he's my source nothing else is my source 
When you answer that question, what are the three biggest decisions you've made recently? And if they are bass boat, golf clubs, and a new shotgun, <laughs> I would say that you're not trusting in Christ. You're probably trusting in your toys to bring you. Okay, that's an exaggeration a little bit, all right? Okay, but for us to get it. Are our decisions showing that we trust in him or we trust in something else? Because he's our source. Let, let, me, take you, let me take you to a scripture that takes this even deeper. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. It says, uh, Isaiah is speaking to God. He says, God, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. In my notes, I had you capitalized like that. And, uh, and I didn't realize when I sent them to make the slides, it was still that way. So they, they did it. And I thought, well, that's, that works. You, know? <laughs> you got it, right? He's the one. He's the source. But there are two deeper things here than where, where it said in, in Psalm 29, 11, that he gives us blessings of peace and strength. There's two deeper things that are right here, okay? And, and the first one is this. This word keep. Okay, God gives us stuff, but we lose it, don't we? Y'all ever lose anything? Like you lose your keys or a kid or anything like that? You ever lose something? I mean, we lose stuff, right? And we even lose stuff that God gives us from time to time. But this word right here, this promise is that God will keep us, and not just give it to us, but he'll keep us in peace. And what kind of peace? Not just a little bit of peace. Perfect peace. Now listen, I haven't always been perfect in the way I follow God. I don't do that every day. I, I'm not perfect in, in hearing him and, and jumping and, yeah, I'll get that done that way and, and trusting him and having, I haven't always been perfect in that way. I'm not always perfect that way. But I have experienced this perfect peace where all the world is falling down all around me and nobody cares about what God is doing. Yeah, but there's just a peace. This all right. Because God has not written the last line of the book yet. He's still in charge. He's still in control. He is still seeing everything that is going on. It's all right perfect peace. He will keep us in perfect peace. Now, how does he do it? Okay, listen. That says those whose thoughts are fixed on him. I like this word fixated because I think it helps us see this. Fixated. Let's think about this. If you want to be kept in this perfect peace, then you need to be fixated on Jesus. Not fixated on other people. When you're thinking about it, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, y'all heard of him? He was president about 100 years ago, so probably nobody here got to vote for him or anything, right? But he said, comparison is the thief of joy. That when you are fixated on what somebody else has got instead of what you've got, it will rob your joy. It will rob your, it will rob your uh, contentment. It will rob your peace when you are fixated on them. You see this being kept in perfect peace, it's, it's not promised to those who are fixated on others. It's promised to those who are fixated on Jesus. Or it's not, fixed, it's not promised to those who are fixated on their circumstances. Uh, you know your circumstances, right? I mean, those are the things we're all bothered about and wonder, worried about and everything. Let me give you another quote right here. This is from a psychologist, too. Now, I don't always put up if a guy's a psychologist or author or something, but this is his credentials, okay? He's, a, he's not a preacher, right? He's not a preacher. I don't, I don't even know that he's a Christian. He's a psychologist, and he says this. Uh, Gordon Livingston, he says, the statute of limitations has expired on most of our childhood traumas. Okay, before we, get, before we dig into that just a second, let me say, let me remind you, he says most, okay? Now, there are some people in this world, there are some people sitting here in this room right now that have experienced horrible childhood trauma, abuse, and neglect in ways that you and I do not, cannot even imagine. Not talking about those. He said most, all right? But it's as we dig into this, let me, let, me just, let me just 
throw out another word at you. There's a word that rhymes with trauma. Drama. And let me paraphrase just a little bit of what he's saying right here or add something to it. The statute of limitations has expired on most of our childhood traumas and our adult dramas. All right? What he is saying is, you need to get over a lot of stuff. If I want to live in peace, i got to get fixated on him and stop being fixated on what happened to me when I was 12 years old in middle school. You know, when, or, or when somebody hurt my feelings a long time ago, and I'll never trust anybody like that ever again in my life because I'm putting a wall up and I'm going to protect my... you got to get over a lot of that kind of stuff. And I'm talking about adult drama too. And let me tell you, adult drama, <clears throat> it should have an expiration date of immediately. Okay, we need to be, we, we need to quit. Li Christians should ha not have adult drama. And I don't have time, so if you, if you don't know what that is, you probably need to see me for a good little counseling session this afternoon, okay? It, it, but if you deal with adult drama, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's expired. It's, so if you want to live in peace, and if you want to have your best life ever and live in peace, you're going to have to forget and move on and get fixated on him. Oh, yeah, you're going to have people. You're going to have offense. You're going to have circumstances, but what you've got to do with that is say, okay, yeah, that's happening, but I'm focused on him who is able, no matter what's happening to me and no matter who's coming against me, I'm focused on him who can keep me in perfect peace regardless, if you want that. So, so if you want best life ever, next slide, you've got to choose every day that you live to live in the peace of Jesus Christ. Fixate on him and his peace if you want best life ever. Here's the last one. It's quick, okay? Dream big because God does. You know, if, if I were to say the number one thing, I might have to say, if you were to ask me what's the number one thing, how on the list, I don't know if it's number one or not, but how on the list would be people that don't dream big enough because God's dreaming big. Let me show it to you. This is another one of our scriptures, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. These people that God are ta is talking to right here, right now, they're in captivity. They have walked away from God, and they have ended up in captivity. They are no longer in their homeland. They are scattered around uh, in this new empire, and they are no longer one nation, one people, and God is speaking to them. And they're, they're, they're kind of saying, oh, we know we've messed up and all this and all this, and it can never be. They're, some of them thinking, it can never be what it was. You know what God says? Don't tell me that. I know what I'm thinking over you. I know what I'm planning for your life. I know what I'm dreaming over you. I know the things that I'm planning for you. And it ain't bad. No, it is good. I got a future. Let me tell you what I'm thinking about you. In just a few years, I'm going to gather all of you back together. I'm taking you back home to your promised land. We're going to rebuild the temple. I'm, and I'm even... You need to see this. God, God even pays for the temple to be rebuilt. Actually, he, he may, uh, I'm sorry, I just had a Trump reference just come into my mind. I'm trying to get rid of it real quick, okay? But he, he even made the enemy pay for the wall, okay? <laughs> and he, he even made the enemy pay for the temple. He said, this is what I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming that you're going back and you're rebuilding the temple, and I'm going to have other people pay for the temple to be rebuilt. 
And then I'm going to bring my son, and he's not going to be born as he's not going to be born as an Assyrian. He's not going to be born as an Egyptian. He's going to be born as one of you, and he is going to save the world from their sins. And I'm going to renew the promise that I made to Abraham. Not just that you are going to be blessed, but you're going to be so blessed. You're going to be like that cup that runs over that everybody around you is going to be blessed. You're going to be so blessed that you're going to be a blessing to all the nations of the world. And God has brought that to pass. They were dreaming this, and God said, oh, no, I'm dreaming this. You need to hear that today because some of you are thinking, well, I'm just, I'm just accepting. Listen, if you are accepting life as it is, if you are, if you are fine with that dead-end job that you're living in, if you are fine with those people around you who tell you it can never be and keep telling you it will never be what you're, you need, then you go ahead and just stay there. But if you're ready to dream what God is dreaming, he's got something better for you than a dead-end job and a bunch of people who tell you, no, it can't happen. God wants to surround you with some people that tell you, yes, it can happen. Bernice King, let me give you this quote from Bernice King. This is Martin Luther King's daughter. I was born to be an answer to a question. I was born to be a solution to a problem. You know, most people, I think what they do is they end at the very beginning of that. Well, I was born. I was born and a lot of stuff happens. A lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff, a lot of intermediate stuff. I, I was born, and that's it. I was born to be an answer. Come on. I was born to be a solution. I was born with purpose. When God put me on this earth, he had a plan for me. He was dreaming big, so I'm going to dream big too. Okay, so here, if you want to live the best life ever, then you need to aim higher than you can reach by yourself. Because as long as you're only aiming as high as you can reach, you don't need God. He's, he's just sitting there watching you try to do it by yourself. But when you start reaching higher, aiming higher than you can reach by yourself, then God knows that he has to show up. He has to come on the scene. He has to be a part of that. And then he does show up, and he brings his big old dream that we cannot reach without ourselves. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but we've made the whole circle because it all begins with and it ends with God. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.